Hello, my friends. This is Andy Falco. He is coming to you live from Orange County for the California Parent Alliance podcast. I have a, a fantastic show today. I cannot wait uh, to bring my guest on. Um, and, and we're going to visit some, uh, some topics that are going to be important to you as a parent when it comes to the vaccine mandates and any other uh, issues that may cause uh, you some concern in regard to your children. Uh, I think we have some other topics that will be very important to all of us that live here in California in regard to the governor and a whole bunch of other stuff. But uh, uh, my, my guest is Alex Mayer, Meyer, sorry, almost did that again. Alex Meyer, uh, she serves as a board member of the Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s organization, Children's Health Defense. She also volunteers 60 hours a week as president of the new California chapter of, of the Children's Health Defense. In the 1990s, at the age of 29, she ran a worldwide research group at Apple until six vaccines physically disabled her and gave her brain damage. While navigating her decades-long recovery, Alex became an award-winning medical journalist and worked as a health strategist. In 2018, she retired from health consulting to devote her time to the vaccine movement. Thank God. Alex grew up to or grew up in the Oscar Meyer family. She is a graduate of Duke University with a BA and the Kellogg Graduate School of Management at Northwestern University, getting an MBA. So please uh, join me in welcoming Alex Meyer to the show. Hello, Alex. How are you doing? Hi, Andy. Great. How are you doing? Oh, very good. I'm just noticing my lower third gets lost in your hair. So you may have to <laughs> shift around so see, people can see your entire name in the, in the URL. <laughs> there you go. I almost got most of it. I got to pick a different color next time. Um, uh, I'm so interested in talking to you about everything that the organization is doing, uh, about your history. I'm hoping uh, not to keep you, uh, you know, longer than maybe five hours on this podcast. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> how long is the show? I don't. You didn't tell me. <laughs> well, it's as long as we want it to be. But uh, usually, I try to keep it somewhere in the area of forty-five minutes. Okay. Um, uh, but I think first, what would be uh, interesting to everybody is to know a little bit about yourself and the issue that you ran into in regard to your vaccines. I think would be important. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, I think um, looks can be deceiving. I've um, made quite the recovery. But 25 years ago, I was running a worldwide group for Apple Computer. I was in charge of worldwide customer research. So like really into the data and, you know, designing studies, fielding studies, reporting on the studies. And I went on a vacation with my family and I thought, well, it's to Bali. That's a foreign country. So I better go to something called travel medicine and see what vaccines they want me to get. And um, this was 1996. And so I went in and I just rolled up my sleeve. I said, just give me everything you think I might get in Bali. I'm really, you know, scared of those diseases. Today, I wouldn't be scared at all. But then I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about vaccines being dangerous. I didn't know that there were other ways to deal with um, infections like vitamin C or vitamin D, for example. And I don't give medical advice, but that's what I would use these days. Um, and so I got six vaccines, um, including hepatitis A vaccine, hepatitis B diphtheria, tetanus, polio, and oral typhoid. And two weeks later on that trip, I collapsed. My legs turned to noodles and I got this emotional liability where um, I was just crying for no reason. And I'm not like kind of like a random crier. And then I came back from that trip and I thought, wow, you know, I really got some bad jet lag. It just doesn't seem to be going away. And, you know, it was like going into weeks and months. And so obviously it wasn't jet lag, but I came back with hypersomnia. I was sleeping 16 hours a day. I had a 24 seven migraine. I had flu like symptoms, 24 um, seven digestive issues and joint pain. 
And um, I still went to work because I'm from a German family. So you just, you know, you push on and you just push through, you white knuckle it or fake it till you make it. And um, I pushed on like that, basically physically disabled with really only eight hours to work with per day, including like making meals, going grocery shopping, you know, eating, commuting to work. All that had to happen in eight hours because I was sleeping 16 hours a day. And then, um, you know, every month I got actually a little bit worse. And then finally, about six or seven months after I got those six vaccines, the brain damage set in and I'm an MBA and I was reading the Wall Street Journal one day and I literally thought there were three bad writers in the Wall Street Journal, but that was the day my brain damage totally set in. And I finally realized after reading three articles that it was me, the commonality was me and I couldn't read anymore. I could read like hop on pop, like a Dr. Seuss book, but I couldn't read anything remotely complicated. And um, so I finally took a medical leave of absence at the urging of my doctor and spent, uh, you know, two decades, you know, clawing my way back out of this hell that vaccines put me into. And so today, um, the end of the story is I'm probably 80 or 90% recovered and I still deal with, um, you know, kind of all over body pain and sleep issues. But compared to the laundry list of symptoms I had 25 years ago, I'm pretty happy and I can get by. Wow. You know, you bring up a, a, you know, an issue that I think most Americans, um, as we were growing up, I'm in my fifties. Um, and we were told that the people you can trust are doctors and police officers and teachers. And in, and I'm sure a couple other people are uh, maybe even politicians to some extent, but, but we've always known them, but they've, uh, they have a, an issue with the truth, but at least those three, and especially when it comes to the, the, any kind of medical issue, we've been taught to, to trust, at least I was taught to trust the doctor. You would go there and expect that they had your best interest in mind. And that's how I grew up. And like, again, many Americans as, as um, you know, up until about 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, we, I still believe that. And what we're realizing now is that that is so not true, that there's other interests uh, obviously money, uh, you know, dictates who gets what information and when and how. And um, we as Americans, as patients, have to be more involved in our own health. It's, it's our job. And probably research is one of those things. And so that brings me to a question about what the organization does for the children's um, health defense. What is, is, the, is your organization going to be one of those places that we could go to seek, you know, ways of finding out the truth about what it is that we're going to be potentially putting in our body. Yeah, that's exactly why we exist. Um, I mean, you might be familiar with some other nonprofits that defend the environment. You know, remember the NRDC uh, motto was the earth needs a good lawyer. Um, Children also need a good lawyer. So that's what children's health defense does. And um, so we have our value add to the movement is really our litigation, but we also publish so much amazing fact check material all sourced to official sources like the CDC or the WHO. And I've written articles for our publication um, at um, CHD National, which is childrenshealthdefense.org. And that goes through so much fact checking, it's unbelievable. I mean, the number of versions you have to put out before they actually publish your article is unbelievable. But it's because it's all being fact checked. Thanks for putting that up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can see where it says the defender in the upper right hand corner. That's our publication. And you can share those articles with anyone because everything has been fact checked by lawyers by doctors and scientists before it goes out and um, all the references are rock solid so that it is a really easy site to share in fact 
the number of shares we have of Defender articles is more than the shares of the CDC and WHO combined because wow. it is that good. Um, and so, yeah, so we do law and um, at the national level, we do science to support the law as well. And then in California, I'm the um, board president of the California chapter in California. And here we do a lot of um, education and advocacy around um, legislative and policy actions that are being taken. We have county ambassadors. We're hoping to get them into all 58 counties, but we have robust presences in all of the major metro area counties now. And um, we train people. Um, there's weekly meetings. We train people to go talk to their board of supervisors, go talk to their superintendent, to go talk to the board of education. And so the people who are ambassadors with us, they're fully vetted volunteers and um, they get weekly training to go out and do that. So we're always fighting for people. Um, and I was talking to you earlier before this show started. And the other thing we do is we bring strategic cases in California. The California chapter does that. Um, and so we'll look for a plaintiff who will fit that case and the strategy of the case and who fits the fact pattern. Um, and we don't take all plaintiffs. We have a great self-help area on the California site. It's called resources. The California site, you just have to add a CA dot in front of childrenshealthdefense.org. So CA dot childrenshealthdefense.org. If you go to resources, we have an incredibly good self-help section to protect yourself from medical mandates. Cool. Uh, just one comment here really quick. Tricia Robinson says, more people need to know about this. I bought his new book. I'm, I'm assuming Robert uh, F. Kennedy's juniors, uh, his new book, The Real TF. Anthony Fauci. Hello. Yeah, it's called The Real <laughs> Anthony Fauci. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., who's the chairman of Children's Health Defense. He has just finished what he called, it's a 900 page book compressed into less than 500 pages. And mm. it is unbelievable. This is a history of Tony Fauci, starting with when he was a little basketball player, a little short Tony Fauci was a basketball player in high school, <laughs> quite successful apparently. Um, but then it goes into how he treated AIDS patients by denying them treatment and putting on what um, Robert F. Kennedy called in the book, a Kabuki act in front of Congress when they were pressing him about why he didn't do more for the AIDS community he put on this kabuki show <laughs> saying like, well, I didn't have enough money, but if, you know, if you didn't have enough money, you should speak up and say you don't have enough money to accomplish your objectives. But of course he never did because he was never really interested in helping the AIDS community. And it goes into his really sordid history of like being a beagle torturer, funding research that, you know, drugged beagles and had like sandflies eating their eyes in cages. Right. And it goes also into, you know, what he did to test AIDS drugs on orphans in New York. And these orphans, if they refused to take these AIDS drugs orally, they would put a tube into their stomach and force them to take them that way until they died. I mean, the guy has a really sordid history and now here he is managing the whole COVID crisis and we expect him to act any differently than he has historically? No. So the book goes way into so much detail about all of that. In fact, the first chapter alone has 22 pages of references. 22 pages of references on the first chapter alone. So I highly recommend the book. Get it on Amazon. It's already been an Amazon bestseller. And give it to everybody on your holiday gift list. Whether they want it or not, you got to give it to them. Yeah, this is a man who said that if you don't believe in him, you don't believe in science. <laughs> this is craziest thing. Yeah, um, if that's not narcissistic, I don't know what is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, gosh, I had so many questions, but I, I wanted to um, just cover this really quick. The organization isn't just on the this vaccine. Um, it, 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 it is in regard to all types of vaccines. I have five kids and I didn't get any vaccines for uh, my children after they are born. And, the, and this was way before COVID. Um, 
but they, the, the doctors and the nurses all looked at us like we were crazy. Like, what do you mean you don't want any vaccines for your kids? I go, I don't, I don't, they're little babies. They don't need any vaccines. They're going to be breastfed. They're going to get all the nutrients and all the, the healthy goodness that they, that they need. And, um, you know, later on, if there's some reason why we maybe need to get one, we'll visit that then, but not as babies. We're not giving our children vaccines. So is that true? Is it not just about the, uh, COVID vaccine? Right. Yeah. We, um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he was one of the founders in, I think, about 2015 of the organization. And okay. back then it was called the World Mercury Project. And we changed the name, I think, about three or four years ago to Children's Health Defense. But um, we're not anti-vaccine. I mean, that's what people say we are, because if you ask one question about vaccine safety or one question about vaccine efficacy, you're anti-vaccine. Right. But we're not. We're we're for no medical mandates. We fully believe in choice in medicine. And that's all we've ever been about. And so, of course, it started with the children's vaccines. But then when the COVID thing hit, we were all prepared with all the science around this already and the law. I mean, there's no organization that was better prepared for COVID than Children's Health Defense. Right. Hey, and I want to make sure the audience, anybody who might be watching, uh, like Trisha, if you have any comments or questions that you uh, want us to see and that I can um, ask Alex, uh, make sure and just put them in the comments and I will see them. And when I get a chance, I will ask any of those questions. Um, and so uh, bringing coming back to COVID, because that's the, the, the very biggest pressing thing right now is that this, uh, you know, we're, we're getting all these different variants and I always laugh because I, I just, and it's not necessarily funny. It's just, you know, I've, I've told people, I said, they're just going to keep coming up with variants as long as they possibly can to cause us, um, uh, to cause fear, not us, people like me and you, we don't get fearful, but uh, a large number of people that happen to watch the wrong news channel do get fearful. And as, uh, as soon as they feel like people are going to stop being fearful, they're going to come out with a new variant. Um, is there any thoughts uh, that you have about this this trend of uh, did they did they find something that they could finally use to to frighten enough Americans to to cause them to follow this stupidity? Well, what I could actually do, I could share my screen. Um, yep. Do I have to share the whole thing, or can I go to a? Oh, I think I'm going to share this this whole screen so you'd see my. Whole you can. Uh, you should be able to pick a Chrome tab. So if you see that there should be. Oh, on Chrome. Hmm. No, I don't have it on Chrome. It's in PowerPoint. But I'll just oh. tell everybody why they're doing this. So to get an emergency use authorization product on the market, you have to meet four standards. Two of those standards are very, very politically motivated in driving this entire thing. And one of those standards, one of the four, is that the Secretary of HHS, Health and Human Services, has to declare and maintain a state of emergency to keep emergency use authorization products on the market. And so, Andy, you asked a really good question. Why are they extending the state of emergency? Well, the answer is political. Mm -hmm. Because if the emergency goes away, all the vaccines, the COVID vaccines, have to be pulled from the market. The masks have to be pulled from the market. The PCR test is also under EUA still. That has to be pulled from the market. So if they aren't extending the emergency with variant after variant after variant, they have to pull all those products from the market and they're not willing to do that. The other standard that's very politically motivated um, has to do with no adequate, let's see, I call it the four A's, no available adequate um, alternative drugs. Mm -hmm. And so that's the other one where you, you guys have all seen this malfeasance. Everybody knows ivermectin works. Everybody knows hydroxychloroquine works. It's not right. a mystery, but they put out these fake studies that actually have to be retracted from the Lancet to try to show these things don't work. 
And that's all politically motivated because that's the one of the other main standards of keeping an EUA product on the market. There can be no alternative drugs or vaccines that can be used. And just to, to clear up any confusion about the products that are available on the market right now, everybody's heard of Comirnaty or Kaminasty or Kaminats Nazi, whatever you want to call it. And you know that's supposedly approved, but if you read the approval, it's not really approved. And if it, if it were actually approved, they still couldn't put it on the market because they have full liability. BioNTech is fully liable for injuries and deaths for Comirnaty right now. So they won't put it on the market. They're too scared of being sued out of business. And let me tell you what they're going to do to get that product and any other ones that get off of EUA on a full approval to get those vaccines on the market. All they have to do is convince the population that children need COVID shots. And then when they get fully approved, then the CDC's group called ACIP, the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, then they will recommend that that goes on the children's schedule. And when that happens, according to the 1986 Act that made this a law, when that happens, the manufacturer gets full liability protection, no matter whose arm that shot goes into, adults or children. That's all they have to do. Even if they just approve it for ages 16 to 18, that's considered the children's schedule then they get full liability protection for everyone it's injected into. And until that happens, they use our children as pawns. They're not going to put those products on the market. Wow. Oh, okay. So uh, with all your research with uh, the other vaccines, have you ever seen or heard of a vaccine that works so poorly? Uh, Dan Bongino uh, just came on today and, um, and, and gave out the news that he, who he's vaccinated because he just got over Hodgkin's lymphoma, I believe, or some uh, type of cancer like that. And so he had been vaccinated, but he just um, said, uh, or just uh, gave the news that he uh, had COVID recently. And, but then he took ivermectin and, and hydroxychloroquine and some other treatments. And he was over within about, uh, I think, I forget what the amount of time, but it was a very short period of time, 36 hours. He went from being pretty sick to not being sick at all. Um, but he was vaccinated. We, we heard of uh, a number of other people that have come on that, that, that are vaccinated. And they're even saying that the reason you have to get vaccinated is to protect the people that are vaccinated. Have we ever had anything in our history of these vaccines that work so poorly? No, we haven't. We haven't. And if you look at the death reports in our vaccine adverse events reporting system, it is out of control. I mean, mm -hmm. since the inception of VAERS, which is the vaccine adverse events reporting system, there have been a, an average of 200 to 400 deaths reported after vaccines per year until we get to COVID. Now, since COVID vaccines were introduced, there's 20,000 deaths reported just after COVID shots. And we also know that that system only captures one to 13% of all the deaths out there. And so it could be far, far worse than that. Far worse wow. than 20,000 dead after COVID shots. But also you talk about these <laughs> breakthrough infections and there've been thousands and thousands of so-called breakthrough infections. But what most people don't know is that the FDA issued, a, or I think the CDC issued a double standard, it's the CDC, for how to diagnose COVID in somebody who's been vaccinated versus diagnosing COVID in someone who hasn't been vaccinated. And there's a couple aspects to this. Um, if you're vaccinated and you test positive for COVID, there's something called a cycle threshold. And for people who are unvaccinated, the cycle threshold's at 40. And it's kind of like a Xerox machine. So the more copies you make, the more material there is, and it's more likely you're gonna be positive. But if you're vaccinated and you get diagnosed with COVID, your cycle threshold can't be higher than 28. So they're, they're making it so there are fewer possible people who can test positive if they're vaccinated because they lower the cycle threshold from 48, 40 to 28. Then in addition to that, 
if you're vaccinated and you test positive with a cycle threshold of 28, you also either have to be hospitalized or die to count. And, not, and that's not the case if you're unvaccinated. If you're unvaccinated, you test positive on PCR with a cycle threshold of 40, that's it, you're a case. Oh, it's a double so. standard. Yeah. <laughs> it, and it's just insane. And they can't prove that these shots prevent COVID. They never have. They don't prevent transmission. And I was just listening to Dr. Tom Cowan. Um, he's actually a Duke graduate, like I am too. Um, he said that he'll explain to people now, you know, I'm a doctor and I've read all the science and the vaccines don't prevent transmission, right? They're like, yeah, I know that. And then he'll say, so why'd you get the shot? And people say, oh, to protect grandma. And he's like, I just told you they don't prevent transmission. What, what doesn't compute? It's bizarre. Oh my gosh. That, well, all, what you just said is all news to me. And I, and I read up on a whole bunch of stuff and try to be as educated as possible. So I appreciate hearing, uh, some some new good information. Um, just really quick, I want to come back, um, if we even gotten there yet, uh, to children in, in schools. Mm. What can your organiz organization do in, uh, you know, with parents here in California, since this is the California Parent Alliance uh, podcast, that are, it appears as if we're going to be faced with the, uh, the issue with these vaccine mandates in school. What is it that we can look to the organization to help us when, when this happens? Yeah, so let me explain what's going on with COVID vaccines in schools in California. So um, there's only one authority by law that can mandate um, COVID shots on children for them to attend school in person, and that is the Department of Public Health. Okay, and they haven't done that yet because there's only emergency use products on the market right now. That Comirnaty, as I said, it is kind of quasi-approved, but it's also not on the market because they still have full liability for it. So what's happening is mass violation of the law. And what, what I want everybody to know is mass violation of the law doesn't make something legal. If we all drove 100 miles an hour on Highway 101, you'd never see the speed limit signs change from 65 to 100 miles per hour, right? And just because schools across California are mandating COVID shots, it doesn't mean it makes it legal. Mass violation of the law doesn't make it legal. Your school cannot mandate a COVID shot right now, your superintendent can't do it. The district can't do it. Nobody can do it. Just the public health officer of California, not even a county public health officer, not the governor. No one can mandate it. And so any school requiring COVID shots is operating outside the law and it is 100% illegal. So what we like to see is these schools get so, um, with so much hubris, put this in writing. Because as soon as they put it in writing, we say, oh, great. Now we can sue you because you wrote it down. Um, so we have sued LAUSD <laughs> and we've also sued Loyola Marymount University and those cases are ongoing. We'll be in court against LAUSD on, uh, is it the 8th or the 9th of December? I think it's the, yeah, it's the 8th, the morning of the 8th, Nicole Pearson, she's um, one of our litigators. She's going to be in court against LAUSD the morning of December 8th. And, um, everybody should get there to the court in Los Angeles where that's going to be. I don't know the address of the courthouse offhand, but that's, they need a lot of support. We need a lot of support there because you have to change the court of public opinion so a judge feels comfortable ruling in a way that the population is not going to totally rebel against. So as long as we show a ton of support outside that courtroom, then the judge is more likely to rule in our favor. Um, the next school that we sued recently is the Piedmont Unified School District. That's um, this little community, really wealthy community inside of like the Oakland area. Mm -hmm. And um, they've actually... They've gone so far as to have a school board meeting 
where they laughed out loud and said, our mandate is better than what the state has done. And they, and they laughed and said, we don't have the authority, but we're going to mandate this because we think it's better. And so they have mandated COVID shots all the way down to age five. Wow. And it is completely illegal, completely illegal. So we're going after them and they're forcing even five-year-olds into independent study where a five-year-old who can't even read yet is supposed to learn from little independent study packets. How, how does that work? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> it's impossible. It's ridiculous. And another thing is the independent study by law is supposed to be voluntary. And so they're illegally forcing shots on these kids and they're illegally forcing them out of school and into independent study. And they just don't know where to stop. Where, uh, where does your group best, uh, does it also deal with masking mask mandates? Um, we don't deal with those so much, but um, other groups like let them breathe does. But we, okay. did, we did have a masking lawsuit in New York City against de Blasio because uh, masking is dangerous for children. I mean, it's, it's oxygen deprivation. They're making them breathe in their own waste product, which is carbon dioxide, and that causes um, acidity. And it can actually be toxic to the kidneys. And there's actually some research. I haven't um, had a chance to dive into it yet today, but I saw some research that the brain damage in children from the social isolation and masking all the time is massive. Right. And I really need to dig into that data because um, I just saw the headline, but um, we've done a huge disservice to our children by making them mask all the time. That is terrible for brain development. Your brain needs oxygen. When you brought up the um, school board inappropriately laughing at their madness, um, it, it reminded me of one of the very first things that brought me to the school board um, meetings. And uh, this was several months ago. Uh, since then, I've attended every one since then. Uh, but uh, my issue then was about masking. We hadn't gotten to the vaccine mandates yet or anything like that. And uh, I already knew of uh, three families uh, of, of, uh, that I knew of in the Orange County area where their uh, teenagers had committed suicide. And my point in bringing this up was that the, the masks were doing so much damage. And, and, and one of those things was psychological damage. Uh, it, it was causing children not to have you know, facial contact where they could see the expressions of, and smiles of other children. And that we are doing in irreparable harm to our children and that was months and months ago and in that meeting when i when i brought the subject up there were uh, there was a teacher in there who audibly laughed out loud at the fact that i was bringing this up and the the in and, and this is really what we're dealing with we're dealing with um a group of people that truly believe that they have more can should have more control over our children uh than parents and to the people that know them best and we're dealing with a little bit of um, uh, a psychological or I'm not sure what it is. I'm not, I want to say other words and I'm trying not to. But <laughs> um, uh, this is really a battle uh, between parents' right to have a say in not only our children's ed education, but our children's health. Um, and I'm not sure if there's a question there or not, but is there anything that you're thinking of or that comes to mind when I talk about the madness of these people that are controlling our schools right now? Definitely. I, where do they get this hubris that they know better? And, and where is their science? There is absolutely no science to support masking in any shape or form at all, children or adults. It's like, and in people, this is kind of overused since um, lockdown started, but it's like putting up a chain link fence to keep out a mosquito. I mean, the mask holes are 0.3 microns at the smallest, and the virus particles are 0.12 microns. So the mask holes are at least twice as big 
as the as the virus particles. So I don't know why people think they work. And we also found out that they um, create these jets like that go up that way or out the sides and actually go behind you of you know of air. I actually um, was working with someone at my house who uh, is a, a drinker, and I didn't actually know that he drank so much alcohol until he showed up at my house every day with this N95 mask with a valve in it. And when he was talking that his breath would shoot out like 10 right. feet and I could smell his alcohol breath 10 feet away because when yep. you're masking, you, you create a smaller space for the air to go through and it's going to go farther. And so people just don't understand that these have nothing to do with health and they're actually anti-health. Right. I've, I've actually sent, um, scientific studies, both in masking and vaccines and um, uh, herd immunity to the school board, to the superintendent at the school district and the Orange County supervisors and said, here's my science. Uh, and I've done enough research. And it, it, strangely enough, most of it comes from other countries because for whatever reason, the CDC and uh, other uh, agencies in the United States don't, don't want to know uh, and so they're not doing <laughs> the research on any of the things that we want to know most about. Um, but here's my research. Here's everything that I know. Show me the research that masks work. Show me the research where the vaccines are making a difference. Show me the research that a shutdown and keeping our kids on Zoom calls actually helps. And, and of course, never have I received any research from anybody. Um, have you seen any research of any of these things work? No, all I've seen is the, the weight of the evidence. And that's what you say in science, the weight of the evidence are more studies that show that the masks don't work and cause yeah. harm than the evidence that shows they do work and protect anybody. I mean, we wouldn't have this pandemic or pandemic yeah. <laughs> anymore if right. masks actually worked. I mean, everybody's masking around where I live. Right. Uh, just a comment here. Uh, this is back to a discussion you were having earlier that uh, Susan Mendez says, lost my boss turned fiance last February for that reason. Hospital insisted on using the wrong protocol. Oh, I'm so sorry. That is, that's yeah. awful. The hospitals, their hands are tied. They can only ventilate, which, you know, 80% of people, at least in the beginning of COVID, were not coming off of ventilators. And then they can use remdesivir, which has a 30% chance of causing um, terminal kidney failure and then other organ damage. So, I mean, if you can survive COVID in the hospital, it's pretty much of a miracle right now because they won't give you anything that actually helps. And there's some dangers actually associated. They're starting to give the monoclonal antibodies and I can't remember actually what the drug name of that is, but it ends in MAB. Anytime you see a drug that ends in MAB, it means monoclonal antibody. Um, but I don't, I, I don't remember the drug name, but that has some really concerning side effects as well. So the name of the game, stay out of the hospital and, you know, seek out a really good integrative or functional medicine doctor to help you through it because hospital ain't the place to recover. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, just really quick. I just want to let everybody know. I, I really, I can see that there's some shenanigans going on on the social platforms. We're on uh, four different or five different Facebook uh, pages, maybe six different Facebook pages. We're on YouTube, Twitter, and rumble. Uh, and so, um, Shenanigans? Are we getting some mean comments? No, 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 no mean comments. It's just that it's um, it's it appears that we're getting blocked in some areas and stuff like oh. that. Uh, and just just so everybody knows, we do have a podcast. Uh, the audible uh, version, audio version of this pod, of this show will be on our podcast, and you can find it 
on Spotify or um, a Google podcast or any of the, the major podcasting platforms. So if something goes wrong and you're not hearing everything or if we suddenly get shut down uh, and I get blocked or get canceled um, on any of my platforms, it will be on the podcast. So this is why you have to make sure I'm broadcast on everything uh, so that, it's, that it, at least at some point somebody can see some of the stuff that's going on. Um, I do want to hit before we go on too long, um, you guys, and I hope that you can share it. I'm not sure if you can, but you guys have recently uh, made some moves here in California uh, in regard to our governor. Can you share uh, what you guys got going on? Yeah. Um, you know, let me, let me just tell you this. Um, the courts in California are corrupt all the way up to the top. And I'll tell you how we found this out. We actually sued Gavin Newsom in the California Supreme Court a few months ago. And the outcome was pretty unexpected. Um, we sued him because he was speaking out of both sides of his mouth in regard to the emergency. Out of one side of his mouth, of course, everybody hears, oh, it's an emergency, it's an emergency. Everybody's got to stay locked down. You can't be with anybody outside your household during the holidays. Thank you very little, Governor Newsom. And then on the other side of his mouth, he's saying, well, you know, gosh, all these businesses are suing me. Um, you know, it's really not an emergency anymore. So all those cases are moot and should be thrown out. And so we have both those statements in writing. Remember, I said we like it when it's in writing. Yep. And so we, you know, put together a complaint and took it to the Supreme Court of California, which is it, Governor Newsom. Is it an emergency? And these complaints against you shutting down these businesses are valid. Or is it not an emergency, in which case we can go back to our normal lives and everything can be normal again? So Newsom's team had 10 days to respond. Seven days in, we get um, a letter from the court saying that they didn't dismiss the case. So they preempted Newsom's team's response. So we never got any discovery. We never got anything back from Newsom at all on that case. And so that told us just how corrupt everything is. That was a political move to prevent Newsom's team from having to respond to our complaint because they didn't want us having any information having to do with the emergency. Right. So we took that as a sign. Well, we just need to go file it in a lower court in California. So we're getting ready to do that next. Um, we're not going away. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> we don't go away. Um, so basically, so we're having trouble getting to the point of getting what's called discovery in the cases. Like, and that means you like get in their file cabinets, like in the LAUSD suit, we're really excited. We can get in the file cabinets of Microsoft because they helped develop this pass called the daily pass and in, in concert with the department of public health and the LA unified school district. Um, but that's, you know, that's going slowly because the courts in California are doing everything they can to not let our cases go forward. Um, although we are optimistic, you know, we're very strategic and we are optimistic about our cases, but we're also doing something on a parallel path, which is called a public records act request. And that's what it's called in California on the national level. It's called a freedom of information act request or FOIA, but in California, it's called a PRA or public records act request. So we are PRAing, if I can make that into a verb, <laughs> um, governor Newsom recently, because he, um, he was gone. You know, he, he got some shots and there were some rumors that we published an article about because we had a really good source saying that he actually got Julian Barre syndrome, which is a partial or permanent paralysis mm -hmm. and possibly Bell's palsy in his face. So I like to say, like, if that's true, then um, Gavin's smile is, is now as crooked as he is. But <laughs> we want to find out more about that. So we um, we put in a document request to find out, you know, let's look at your calendar. What were you doing after you got those shots? Let, let's look at your medical records. What did your doctor say about what happened to you after those shots? We want to know. So we're, we just heard back from the governor's office that they are going to be getting the records together. And we'll see something in a couple of weeks. Wow. 
I'm looking forward to that. How, how are we going to find out or how are we going to see that? Will you just publish an article of, of some sort or just keep close to the website? Yeah, we'll definitely publish an article after my team has a chance to go through it. Then, um, yeah, we'll have it written up and share it with everybody. Hopefully okay. we'll, we'll find something interesting. Awesome. What, uh, what help do you need at the organization? How can, uh, you know, parents or even, you know, grandparents or aunts and uncles, how can they get involved in what it is you guys are doing? I think um, there are a couple, two main ways to help. One is we have a robust volunteer program and you can apply to be a volunteer. You can go to our website, which is ca.childrenshealthdefense.org. Click on volunteer and say that you want to be a volunteer or an ambassador. Like if you're really if you're really good with the talking points and you're um, confident and can go in and talk to like your board of supervisors when they have meetings or your board of education, come on over, sign up to be an ambassador. We're looking for ambassadors in a lot of other counties. Um, we're just starting an ambassador program in San Benito County. We've got a very friendly supervisor there named Peter Hernandez. We really want to support Peter. So anybody who lives in San Benito, please, please, please sign up to be an ambassador. And we'd love to have you on board after you go through our, our vetting process. The other way is um, through your donations. Um, obviously, you can go to ca.childrenshealthdefense.org and click on donate. And, you know, being a nonprofit focused on litigation, that is the most expensive nonprofit you can have. And so most of our budget goes toward our lawsuits. And, you know, they, lawsuits are longer runway and we are getting interference, obviously. I mean, you guys are getting interference like we are on social media and we're getting interference in the courts. And, um Despite that, you know, the law is the best way to change the authority. We have to reduce their authority and increase our authority. And the only way we can do that really is to go to court because all of our authorities are um, maligned. And so it's just it's really hard to, to break through when that happens. And so the courts are really our only chance. So we have to keep trying in the courts and we're going to. We have just the most amazing strategic team of attorneys um, Jessica Barsati and Graham Brownstein are on our board. And then we also have Rita Barnett, who is our legal lead right now. And we also work with Nicole Pearson, who's been our um, chief litigator in California, and also a guy named Scott Street. And these people are all just rock star attorneys that, I mean, your jaw just hits the ground. You hear them talk and you're like, oh, my God, they are so bright. I, I want them on my team. I would never want to go up against them in court. But um, I have so much confidence in them and, and everybody really should because they've been carefully hand selected to be on our team and fight this fight for us in the courts. Awesome. In the chat, uh, if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, you should see that I put the link uh, for, and it's the ca.childrenshealthdefense.org. Uh, so just click on that when you see it in the chat and I will make sure that it goes in the podcast too. If you're listening on the podcast, it'll be in the description. So you can simply just click on it and, uh, and go there and sign up and, and follow everything that's going on. Um, I just want to bring up this uh, an issue that comes up with, um, you know, if I ever show an article from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or talk about him at all that, that, you know, people go, oh, my gosh, you're, you know, conspiracy theorists and that kind of stuff. And I, and I want to say I'm not sure how much you know about me, but I was a police officer in the city of Anaheim for 21 years. I was involved in sex crimes as a, a sex crimes detective and um, and continue. I am an expert in court and testify in federal court, not only in uh, United States, but in, in Canada. And I'm telling you all that just so you know that I'm, I'm very much somebody who believes in research and, and, and making sure that I understand the truth and the, and the evidence, and I'm not into conspiracy theories. And uh, there would have been a, maybe a period of time that I said, ah, you know, I, I don't believe in any of this stuff. And, you know, it, 
doctors are, are wonderful people and they have our, our best interest in mind. Uh, but I've, I've learned, I've learned so much and um, I just love what you guys are doing. But um, how, how much have you seen that shift over from a conspiracy theorist organization person to now people are going, wait a minute, just kind of like what happened with President Trump that people were saying he was a Russian spy and all these things. And now they're going, well, wait a minute. Apparently he was telling the truth this entire time. Is right. that happening in your organization too, where people are going, wait a minute, there must be something to what, uh, what he has to say. Yeah. We, we get new people converted every day, especially with this new variant, the, I don't know how to say it, Omicron or something like that. Actually, if you rearrange it, it's an anagram. It spells moronic. <laughs> the letters. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I just heard it's like so many people just were shocked that there's like yet another new variant. And, you know, people who got two shots or three shots are like, wait, why did I just get these shots? It's ridiculous. Um, and so those people are now waking up and they don't want new shots. But yeah, I mean, especially with the publication of um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s new book, The Real Anthony Fauci, and people are waking up left and right. I mean, there is no better referenced source of all the COVID fraud than the real Anthony Fauci book. So people are waking up all the time. I'm happy awesome. to say. Um, I, I know I am, and I know I have. And uh, it, again, early on when this all started, I I was very politically involved, but when it came to this this part of science or this part of uh, medical treatments that they were begin forcing on people. Uh, I I'm very shocked at what I was able to find um, again. And as a police officer, I actually got into CBD. I, I had also had cancer for a period of time. So I began to research CBD and I was very reluctant to, to start using CBD because I was a police officer. I thought that it had to do with marijuana when in fact it has uh, very little to do with marijuana it has more to do with hemp. And, um, and so as I began to research that I was getting attacked for my research on CBD, I ended up writing two books on CBD and the endocannabinoid system and how our body works. And, and people are going, oh, this is like, oh, you know, and I was getting, I got my Facebook, I've got my Facebook shut down for less uh, than the vaccines for just talking about CBD. I got my account shut down several times talking about CBD. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, and when it comes to health and fitness and in the things. So uh, I am a convert for sure. And I appreciate all the information that comes out of your organization and I'm a, a huge believer. And I appreciate uh, uh, as not only you, but his, uh, you know, Robert F. Kennedy's, you know, um, desire to continue regardless of how much um, he was, you know, attacked from from everyone uh, i remember him being attacked and not sure if i should even watch any of his videos because i didn't know what to believe so, but i appreciate him uh in the organization pushing through um because it had to be challenging he is a he, obviously he's a hero and he's lost everything you know he's mm. um he doesn't get paid for speaking anymore whenever he speaks any anything we make it his speaking events goes straight to the organization not to him um, you know, he's been alienated by friends like we all have been. Um, when you see the truth about COVID, you get alienated by a lot of people. And, and that same thing is, it doesn't matter that he's a candidate. The same thing has happened to him, including some of his family. And he still stands up and puts on his fighting boots every day and fights the good fight. And yeah. I just, I so respect and admire him. And it's, he's just a great commander in chief for this war. And we're, we're really literally in World War III right now, whether people know it or not, it's literally World yeah. War III. And everybody should really know that this whole thing isn't actually about a virus. It isn't actually about COVID. This is a means to an end. This is a means to their end, which is total social control. The vaccine passport is not a vaccine passport. That's the first step to a digital ID that's going to have social credit scores attached to a digital currency. 
our entire lives are going to be socially engineered by the government based on this digital ID. And the way to get us to want that for this great currency reset to happen also, the way to get us to want these IDs is to scare everybody with this, this COVID thing. And, you know, unfortunately, it's working for more than half the population. But I also see, you know, a lot of people waking up. And so I think that pretty soon the majority is going to know what this is really about. Yeah, actually, that's the title of my last podcast was you got you better wake up. If you haven't woken up by now, you're a little bit late, but welcome to the party. Um, (laughs) I I have um, tried to put as much pressure on all the people that I know that said, you know what, I can't say anything because, you know, my family will get mad and my friends will get mad or I'll get fired from my job. I said, you know what, if you if you don't speak up now, regardless of all those things, you won't have a job. You won't have a world. You won't have the United States of America as we used to know it. It'll be all gone. And so um, I've I've lost. uh, uh, So in my expert testimony, uh, when um, I'm trying to not say too much, but um, I can't I've lost thousands of dollars already um, because of my refusal to get the vaccine and. And because I can't travel to certain places because um, I'm required uh, to do that. And I, I don't care. I, I, and so those people that tell me, well, I might lose my job or I might lose this. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, but I'm, I've decided that this is, this is time. It's time for us to fight for this country. It's, it, yeah. it, it's a different kind of civil war in the sense that uh, maybe we're not shooting it out on the battlefield, but we will have to take a chance uh, with our future uh, if we want a future. And there's, um, there's, there's, there's no time like now. You're, you're almost too late. So you better wake up and get started today. Yeah, Is there any one last thing that you would like to say before we sign off or if you want to um, continue that well, point? Just in response to what you were saying, you know, it's the biggest irony that the people who get these COVID shots for their freedom, for the freedom to travel, for the freedom to go to school, you're enslaving everybody, including yourself. That's where this is going. It's government enslavement for this digital ID. And everybody who chooses to get a COVID shot to com- chooses to comply, you are one step further into enslavement of all of humanity. And so that's the great irony. And I understand, you know, people need the, to make a living, but you know, this is the time for non-compliance. If everybody would stand up and not comply, and this is what Robert F. Kennedy Jr. came out and said recently in a video, everybody needs to do three acts of non-compliance every day, every day. So you go to the store, you don't wear a mask, you show everybody it's okay to not mask. And you know what the best way is to not wear a mask in the store? They ask you if you can put on a mask, you just say, oh, you just say say it in a really nice tone. Say, oh my gosh, thank you so much for asking. I can't wear a mask safely. And And you leave it at that. They're not allowed to ask what medical condition you have. They're actually not even allowed to ask for or see your doctor's note. And you can just say you have it in your wallet. They're not allowed to see it. And so nice. you can do that act of non-compliance. I mean, um, Bobby, I call him Bobby because I work with him, but he even says, you know, go up to people with babies in a baby stroller and say, you're not going to vaccinate those babies, are you? And that just seems like so out of line, um, something I would never do five years ago. But if enough people do that and five people come up to that same person and says that, these people are going to think twice. They're going to think twice because these vaccines are incredibly injurious. Yep. So, yeah. We just have to be pushing back en masse altogether. 
Yeah, it's time to be bold. I can tell you 100% that as we have been uh, building in numbers at the school board here in Orange County, uh, we, li we live here in Yorba Linda, uh, Placentia Yorba Linda School District is our school district, and being bold, standing up, and I never would have ever thought that I would be in front of the school board speaking up at every meeting, uh, but I do, and I record, and I do uh, as much as I possibly can to let them know that I am out there, and I'm spreading the word as wide as I possibly can, uh, and I know now that we've had hundreds of people inside the room and hundreds of people out outside the room with signs. All of it matters, whether you get inside the room or not, whether you are able to get onto the podium or not. It is time to wake up and push back and not be, um, you know, uh, when I say push back, I want to make sure that you understand. I'm not telling you to be violent. I'm just telling you to push back verbally, to push back with your uh, defiance of uh, wanting to wear a mask and getting the vaccine. And like you, you were saying, Alex, is that by getting the vaccine because you want to go on vacation is you are you are adding to the grief of this country. Mm -hmm. You are becoming enslaved by uh, this government that we have in place right now. Uh, all they want is control, and that is the truth. Yeah, um, and I, don't, I also don't agree with faking the vaccine passport. Please don't do that because yeah. then you're letting businesses think that there's more people and more customers than there actually are. And when the digital stuff comes down and you need like a digital passport to enter, you're not gonna be able to do it anymore anyway. You gotta put the pressure on the businesses. Don't go into a business, don't go to a restaurant that makes the unvaccinated eat outside and where the unvaccinated can't use the bathroom. Don't give them any business. Don't get takeout. Don't go to the restaurant. Absolutely. I love that. All right, Alex, thank you so much. I, I, I could continue this, but we're at uh, almost 50 minutes and, I, and I've learned to keep them in somewhat reasonable uh, period of time so people can, can consume them and, and, and keep the information um, uh, you know, on the top of their mind. If we go on too long, we may, uh, we may lose somebody. Uh, Susan Mendez just says here, agree. Excellent presentation. Thank, thank you, you very much, Susan. We appreciate you so much watching. So to all of you, thank you for watching. Make sure and share this out as long as you can. I don't know. I mean, we talked about everything that normally would get it canceled <laughs> and I don't care. This is a, another sign that I don't care. I'm going to push this out and whoever um, I can get to see this, we'll find a way to get to get this out there so people can see it. So make sure and share it out on all your social media. And again, if you can't find it, just look for it on the podcast. It should be up at least by tomorrow. So it'll be up there for you to share. So thank you, Alex, very much. Alex Meyer. Thank really you, Andy. You what very a much. pleasure to be on your show. You're a great interviewer. So it's, it's really you. great. Yeah, you <laughs> I appreciate really that well. so much. When you know what you're doing <laughs> and you're experienced like you are. Thank all you. Right, thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. All right, my friends. We'll see you later. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thank you.